Team Fukunaga and Waller Bridge. Will this team work well together? Let's take a look. This is Tom Pizzotto. And Dan Silvestri. From SpyMovieNavigator.com. Join us each episode as we're cracking the code of spy movies together with you. For No Time to Die, in the spring of 2019, the producers brought in, at Daniel Craig's recommendation, Phoebe Waller-Bridge to contribute to the screenplay. Waller-Bridge is known for her crisp, fast wit and comedy, especially from her hit show, Fleabag. Kerry Fuganaga is known for his serious directorships, especially in his directorship of the first season of the show, True Detective, for which he won an Emmy. In 2009, Fukunaga directed Sinombre, and in 2011, a Jane Eyre adaptation, and most recently, the show Maniac on Netflix. It's been reported that Fukunaga has had a history of clashing with the powers that be over creative differences, which made him an odd choice after Danny Boyle bolted the scene over similar differences. Yeah, kind of an interesting choice. We'll have to look into that a little bit more. Yeah. So, we have Carrie Fukunaga and Phoebe Waller-Bridge working on the same project with very different backgrounds. Will each be able to handle the other? And what will they add to the Bond franchise? Can Carrie handle humor? Will Phoebe's humor be reined in? Will these various and varying ingredients blend into a succulent cocktail like a Vesper Martini? Ah, uh, Vesper Martini. Uh, or a distasteful concoction that no one ever asks for again. Let's order one up and have a sip. After the exit of Danny Boyle, we got Carrie Fuganaga and veteran screenwriters Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. There have been reports that Scott Z. Burns of Born Ultimatum, Contagion, and Side Effects fame also helped with the script. Phoebe Waller-Bridge was added in the spring of 2019. She said on the Chris Evans Breakfast Show that her contributions to No Time to Die, quote, were about bringing additional ideas to a draft of the script, unquote. She said she was to be a dialogue polisher and to offer things, quote, it's about just offering different alternatives, unquote, she said. Quote again, they give me some scenes and then be like, can you write some alternatives for this or have another idea about where it could go in the middle or how it would end? And then I would just give them options and various scenes and they would take what they want. Well, now this is actually something they've done throughout the Bond series is brought in other writers to get opinions of oh is there something we should be tweaking here or there can we get a little bit of different flavor here so this is just bringing in a pretty big name hot uh you know in terms of really current humorist really from a writing perspective into this so it should be interesting to see where they take this yeah her background is interesting and and again interestingly also she's one of only two women screenwriters to ever work on an ian production bond film the other according to ryan latanzio of indiewire was Johanna Harwood, who ironically worked on the very first Bond film, Dr. No. Waller-Bridge is an interesting choice. One of her claims to fame was... Wait, I'm going to stop you, Dan, before you go on there. So the yeah. first female worked on Dr. No. Yeah. There's rumors that in No uh -huh. Time to Die that Safin is Dr. No. Yeah, lots of stuff about that. Is there some synergy in that? Who knows? There's another interesting twist, right? I don't know. It could be. Anyway, getting back to Phoebe, one of her claims to fame was turning a, a play, Fleabag, into a successful serialized television show. That show, she claims, 
shows a cynicism that she had in her 20s with female rage, which she calls in a Vogue YouTube piece in 73 Questions, uncontrollable female anger. That video also shows the thinking of Wallerbridge in many ways and why she was selected for Bond. When asked about her writing, she said that she enjoys writing from a single point of view because you can really dive into that person, unquote. And of her writing style, she said, panic, panic, hope. That's perfect. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like every James Bond movie. Yeah. Panic, panic, hope. Oh. <laughs> and there are scenes of panic like the defibrillator, easy for me to say, the defibrillator scene in Casino Royale, which then leads to the hope that all will be all right. Yeah, I like it too. Panic, panic, hope. Uh, the Fleabag main character, played by her, Phoebe, is very much like her. Deep down, she's a hopeless romantic and also lives to make you laugh. And when asked, what would you like to be remembered for? She quips, making people laugh. Well, the Daniel Craig, James Bond, there's not been a lot of laughter. Which makes you think, what are they bringing in Phoebe for here? Okay, let's try to figure this out. From an interview on The Tonight Show with Seth Meyers, she said she loves shocking the Fleabag audience. And, and she does. With she every, really does. With every scene, she pretty much shocks the, the Fleabag audience. She's pretty good. Her technique of looking into the camera and talking to us, the viewers, the audience, while the scene is unfolding is brilliantly used over and over again in every conceivable scene, from casual conversations with another character to sex scenes where she comments on on what exactly the guy is doing back there. I mean, it's artfully used. It, it is artfully used. Now, the breaking of the fourth wall, which is what we call it when yeah. they actually talk to the audience directly, it's intriguing to me that she uses it in Fleabag and she does it really well there, and it works for her. But it's also really easy to overdo that technique. Uh, she doesn't in the movie, or in, in Fleabag, yeah. but it's, it's something that... You know, if the producers here for for No Time to Die are thinking, oh, maybe we'll throw some of that in there, be careful because it's really easy. Yeah, to... it only happened on an emergency Secret Service. Yeah, when, exactly. Uh, so it's never happened to the other fella. Yeah, that's that's really the only line. But actually, with the Fleabag stuff, I'm waiting for her to look at me and tell me something. Well, yeah, but that's <laughs> a but that's really the premise of that show, and that's perfect. Which is not what you get in Bond. I mean, probably yeah. the best example I've seen of this is really Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah. Right? He'd, right. he'd look at the camera, he'd stay stuff, and then after the credits, he'd walk. He's like, yeah. what are you still doing here? Get out of here. Yeah. Right? I mean, so that, that was really done really well. Like you mentioned, the On Her Majesty's Secret Service that never happened to the yeah. other fellow yeah. line is really the only one I can really think of that was a true breaking of the yeah. fourth wall. Now, there were some Roger Moore looks. Looks. He looks at that, like that might have. Yeah. Maybe he's breaking the fourth wall there. Yeah, I'm but not, you couldn't be sure really on sure. those. But so, in No Time to Die, though, it would totally be out of Daniel Craig's interpretation, Bond. It would be way out of character. Oh, I, I doubt that that would happen. Now, Phoebe did a series prior to Fleabag called Chasing. Mm -hmm. And it was another humor with some, some darkness to it. But there was none of the breaking of the fourth wall in there. So I think it was just a technique she used for that show, yeah. not something she wants to continue going forward. And it was and it was great. And, and I'm looking at what she said before about diving into characters. And she does this extremely well in Fleabag. Not only her own character, which you would expect because she's playing the character, 
but the character of everyone else in in the show is, is this deep dive into those characters oh, yeah. and you learn quickly a lot about each character just from what they're saying and the script she's writing and quick and like you say quickly because yes. i mean the, the Fleabag's only a 28 minute or something yeah. like and that and it's a daunting thing. task to do that yeah, yeah. It's, so and she the, does it really well that just shows you the the brilliant writing skill that she has and, and of course she wrote eve uh, killing eve which is a spy thriller mi5 right a spy thriller as well and she has other acting experience as well and that bring she brings that to the writing table so this is kind of unique that she's a, she's a screenwriter but she's an actress too and that combination is is kind of cool she was on broad search it was a uk uk uh crime drama show she was in star wars as l337 a droid even though she's she said she never saw a star wars film before and didn't yeah, know that, that didn't, didn't know what a droid her. was <laughs> yeah and, and in films like uh, goodbye christopher robbins iron lady as thatcher's uh meryl streep's secretary and albert knobs so there are famous actors who were also screenwriters there are some like tina fey mel brooks uh woody allen um who else matt damon sylvester sylvester stallone emma thompson oh yeah emma thompson and a lot of others this lends an interesting dimension to the screenwriting and waller bridge is many dimensional in the best ways so what she said about diving deep into the characters is why i think she's on the bond on the on no time to die uh, team so is it any stretch that she can add a fourth dimension to no time to die no let's just hope it's not breaking the fourth wall no i i just don't see that yeah i happening. don't see it either it just uh, no i just don't see it happening i hope not on a youtube video that i watched by ms moso ms m-o-s-o 10 reasons to know phoebe waller bridge it's called she says she was brought into the bond film to quote spruce up the script to make it more lighthearted and witty unquote from all of what we've seen so far in clips trailers and other teasers from eon on no time to die nothing really yeah. looks... how much lightheartedness is she adding <laughs> nothing looks lighthearted to us anyway but von bond films always are witty and comic relief quips are used and they put us the audience at ease just for a brief moment i mean that's happened in every yeah bond film virtually especially although back craig, in the roger moore although days. craig doesn't have a lot of funny quips right. in any of this his yeah. movies so far I mean, unless the bitch is dead is a funny quip <laughs> <laughs> yeah right there's no doubt i don't think that waller bridge can infuse these types of elements in no time to die but we haven't seen any in any of these clips that have been released so far so we're guessing she may have written some of nomi's lines I, I'm sure she's written some of Nomi's lines to bring this into the modern age. Like when Nomi <laughs> says to Bond, which I love that line, I'll put a bullet in your knee, <laughs> the one that worked. Yeah, that... She had to write that. I would, I would uh, think so. And I, and the thing is, when you and I talk about this, you always talk about the the one that works. Yeah. And, and I think because it's slightly different than what we normally hear in a Bond film, and I think that's Phoebe giving us that yeah. that roundness, that depth that she talked about adding. Yeah. Yeah. And and this is the dimensional aspect. I think that's why they got her in here. Yeah. You're, you're going to add quickly. And if the audience is going to learn quickly 
the deep dimension of this character in a couple of lines, which he does all the time inside out in Fleabag. Yep. Which is terrific. So watch her being interviewed anywhere. And she is fast, quick-witted, sharp, articulate. I mean, she's just fun to listen to. And she's instant fun-infused answers to virtually any question you ask her. And she clearly has this signature wit that they're talking about. She's somebody She's you just want to spend an evening at a pub with. You could just right? laugh your and ass just off. Just laugh your ass off. You could with her. Give us a half an hour with you, Phoebe. We'll just yeah. laugh our asses uh, off. I would enjoy that immensely. Yeah. From a wonderful article from Entertainment Weekly, Rami Malik gives us some insight into Waller Bridges' role, saying she had considerable input on his character. Quote, she had quite an impact on what I was doing. And he also said, I'd have long phone conversations with her, giving her context into what essentially we were looking for in these scenes. And she would turn things over incredibly quickly. Unquote. Then in a very revealing line, Rami tells us, quote, we know her as a very witty and funny writer, but she's got a knack for drama and tension as well. Unquote. Ah, well, we think Rami is right. You can see this in Fleabag. She dives incredibly deep into these characters and their feelings, their hopes, their dreams, all blending, seamlessly blending drama with humor, which is tough to do. Very tough to do. So, yeah, we think she can add dramatic touches to the Bond film as well because she is a great writer. Well, you know, it was interesting for me because as we're pre preparing for this podcast, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, I, I've seen some clips from Fleabag, but I really never seen the show. So I went and I, I binged watched Fleabag and, and Crashing before we, before we did this. And I was just expecting full-on comedy. All the clips yeah. I'd ever seen were right. funny little clips. Her Saturday Night Live stuff she did, most interviews, she's there just making you laugh and so I'm like, this is going to be kind of a weird fit. However, as you watch these things, and we talked about that character depth yeah. of what she writes, it, it, some of these characters were fairly not funny people right. that she still was able to meld into this thing that was really good. So the humor's there, but there's much more to it. I mean, we, we already talked about the, if you get in my way, I'll put a bullet in your knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. one that works, right? But there's, there's a badass quality in this line, coupled with fantastic wit. So we've, we've heard they brought her in to, not to do a rewrite, but to sh help shape things. And we're pretty sure that that's what she was able to do with the with the script. Yeah, and we'll, we'll find out, obviously, when the movie comes out. But the, the, the concern that people had in the beginning, if there, eh, there wasn't all that much concern, but there was some concern that, hey, it's going to be, she's known for comedy, really. Are we going back to the Roger Moore humor days? Yeah, yeah. are we returning to that or what? But from watching Fleabag, and if you haven't seen Fleabag out there, go see it you'll see how she blends humor and drama instantly and reveals depth of character instantly in a couple of lines. It's brilliant writing. In that same piece in Entertainment Weekly, Waller Bridge said she wasn't hired on to address the misogynist attitudes of Bond because she said the producers were already doing that themselves. Hmm. And the piece tells us Barbara Broccoli said, Craig's spy is a good fit for the age of me too. Quote, he's evolved like men are evolving, one hopes, she says. And she said, Daniel's brought a lot of humanity into the role and to his relationships in the film. He's got vulnerabilities. He's much more 21st century. Hmm. So Waller Bridge is right. 
Her role in No Time to Die is not to address this issue, but to help focus on character development and diving deep into characters which she loves to do. And Rami may have confirmed that. And if we go back to an article that was from May 2019 in The Guardian, she was speaking to Deadline, and Wallerbridge, she downplayed her centrality to the script, but she confirmed that she was treating the gender politics of the character seriously. So we talked about the misogynistic Bond, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. She says, there's been a lot of talk about whether or not the Bond franchise is relevant now because of who he is and the way he treats women. I think that's bollocks. I think he absolutely is relevant now. It just has got to grow. It just got to evolve. And the important thing is that the film treats the women properly. He doesn't have to. He needs to be true to his character. And I'm really happy to hear that, especially when she says he doesn't have to. So they let Bond be Bond, but let the people around him adapt more. And with all the speculation we've heard for the past few years, it's really refreshing for me to hear somebody say, hey, we're going to let Bond be Bond. He doesn't have to evolve that much. Yeah. And, And Broccoli gives us a little insight into the new film as well. When she says Bond at the end of Spectre, that what did he do? He decided to go off with her, Swan and to try to have a normal life, which we completely blow a hole through at the beginning of this one. (laughs) He starts off on a romantic journey with Madeline and then believes that he's been betrayed by her. Alea Sado, who plays Madeline Swan in Spectre and No Time to Die, adds, shit happens. Everything falls apart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So uh, hopefully the movie doesn't. Yeah, we're getting a few clues in there as to what might, what the thinking is. Anyway, we think the choice of Waller Bridge is a brilliant addition to the Eon Bond team. Now let's talk about Kerry Fuganaga and how Waller Bridge and he will do the zipper merge. <laughs> the zi- now that actually sounds a little kinky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know what it is. Well, I know what it is because I think I used that term in front of you and you were like, what the hell is that? No, no, no. And zipper it's... merge on highways. Come on, we're in Chicago. We got a million cars all over the place. And that's what the zipper merge is, right? When you come to a, two lanes going into one, one car goes and you let the next car in and he lets and you the guy behind lets him in and boom 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 that's the zipper and merge. then in, invariably somebody's going to try to skip the line yeah. and then you get a bigger backup because of it because you don't have a nice fit yeah. when people go one car yeah. and do the merge correctly yeah you got a so nice we're going to see how they do the zipper merge <laughs> all, right. <laughs> <Whew>. <laughs> all right i mean we've 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 listened to a million interviews with them and and so on and we've learned a lot through these interviews and and the statements by those who are involved with the filming and the directing of No Time to Die, that Bond has actually been retired for five years. And I think they're con- kind of confirming that now, that it's a real-time separation between Spectre and <laughs> Well, you might no as well admit it because yeah. it's taken you five years to get the damn movie And out. Bond is old and they go over that how many times in he's the movie. He's not old, he's younger than Things us. Things have changed. Uh, the world has changed, Bond, you know, whatever. So anyway, it is five years later. And, and it's real time, and five years have passed in Bond's life. So we're going to see now what happens five years later in No Time to Die. So we've got Phoebe brought in to do some of the, the right, rounding out the writing. Yeah. But then they brought in the new director. So looking at Fukunaga, his background in serious-oriented stories, uh, is this going to fit with Waller-Bridge? Will they be able to do the zipper merge? <laughs> 
To me, Carrie was a really interesting choice, especially when you put it in context with Phoebe. Because of his back work being generally fairly dark or not very humorous at all, um, it sounded like when Eon Productions was looking for the director for No Time to Die originally, Fukunaga was busy. Broccoli said that Carrie wasn't available originally. Yeah, it made it sound like that was going to be her first choice, which I never heard before, but... Yeah, now, at the time that decision would have been made, there was an announcement that I read about that Carrie was going to do a biopic about Leonard Bernstein, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, called The American about this time. It was an interesting name choice since in 2010, George Clooney did a movie with that same title about an assassin. Yeah. Right? So, But it might have been that this Leonard Bernstein movie was why he wasn't available. But after I saw one announcement about it, and I haven't been able to find anything since about that movie. Okay, so about Danny. Broccoli said in the Entertainment Week article, the movie he wanted and the movie we wanted to make were not the same movies. And Boyle had said, quote, what we were doing was good, but it was obviously not what they wanted, unquote. So, okay, all right. Fukunaga is the first American to direct the Bond film for Eon. And that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it really is. That's just, Because I know originally they didn't want to keep it in the in UK directors. Yeah, we know Raymond Benson, who was the first continuation author for the Fleming people. He was the first American to write the continuation. Right. So now he he directed Beasts of No Nation as well as the first season of HBO's True Detective. He did Maniac, which is a TV series, the movies Sin Nombre and uh, Jane Eyre, and other projects. Yeah, those have all been serious, not comedic works. So in comes Waller Bridge to his directing life. So he he doesn't have a background of a lot of movies that he did. So, and it's odd too that Terrence Young, who directed the first Bond movie, Dr. No, he had a lot of film directing experience, including working with Cubby Broccoli at Warwick Films, Red Beret, That Lady, Storm Over the Nile, including another film in 1958 called No Time to Die, nothing to do with this one. But in 1957, he also directed Action of the Tiger, in which Connery had a small part, and Young helped recruit Connery <laughs> for the role of, Do- of Bond for Dr. No. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, it, that is. Right. So now, Sin Nombre was his first full-length movie he directed, and he got a lot of praise for it. He, he won a bunch of Best Foreign Language Film Awards at various things. It wasn't an Academy Award, but it was it was from other things like Sundance and stuff that he, he won. Now, the interesting thing to me from that, when I look at that movie... And then I think about No Time to Die. It's going to be interesting to see how he handled it because I was really concerned, and I still am, that when I heard that he was directing. So I hadn't seen his movies initially when, when they first said he was going to do this. I'd seen season one of True Detective. Um, I'll explain that in a minute. I didn't see Jane Eyre and Nor Will I. That's just not my type of movie, right? No offense, I just not my, my cup of tea. But then I heard him, there's a quote that's actually posted on IMDb, so I don't know where it came from. It just It's attributed to him. When I see an image in my head that compels me, where there's this mystery about what's going to happen next or could happen next, I'll be intrigued. There are so many scripts that you read and you know exactly what's going to happen, and there aren't too many where you can't tell within the first 20 pages where it's going. That's good and bad. So he did the TV series Maniac, and I hadn't seen it yet, and I've seen it since. 
starring Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. I thought I was going to love this thing. I thought it would be a take on the the movie Maniac. Now, this one was done in 1934, really kind of as a Frankenstein takeoff. But then they heavily, heavily adapted it and redid it in 1980 and then again in 2012. If you don't know these movies, they're pretty disturbing movies that I thought was going to make a great TV thing. I mean, you've got this guy who scalps women and, and, and it's horror film stuff. Now, the 1980 version starred Joe Spinelli and our good friend Caroline Monroe. Yeah, Caroline Monroe. Now, nice. she, was, she was Naomi in The Spy Who Loved Me. Uh, the tw- the 2012 was a remake, uh, a direct remake of that with Elijah Wood as Frank. But these were horror movies, so I wa- I binge watched the TV show Maniac, and I was disappointed because it wasn't a continuation of the movies. It was actually well done. I just it wasn't what I was expecting it was going to be. But I also didn't figure out until sometime late into episode three where I started understanding what the show was about mm-hmm. which brings me back to his quote of there aren't too many where you can't tell within the first 20 pages where it's going so it seems to me like he takes a long time to set things up like i've just done in my explanation here mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, right, right, right. but in season one of true detective it's which really where he got his his bona fides in the in the industry his star really rose here it wasn't until a six minute long tracking shot in episode four that things really started to come together. So in Maniac, it was towards the end of episode three. In True Detective, it's at the end of episode four. So the fact that it took until episode four of these, of, of True Detective and episode three of Maniac to hook me has me really nervous about No Time to Die. He's doing a movie. He doesn't have this much time to set the hook. The movie's the longest Bond movie ever at two minute, two hours and 43 minutes. Yeah. But if you think about four episodes into a 60-minute show, he's already at the end of this movie before yeah, hooking the Yeah, audience. but you got to think also that Billie Eilish was allowed to see the first part of the script to write the song. That's true. So maybe he's got the first 20 pages that's going to tell you pretty much what's happening here, and she saw that and was like, oh, I could write a song about this. Yeah. So, I mean, she did write the song. They accepted the song. Yeah, that's true. Mm, so there might be something to that. Well, that's true. And, you know, he also he's also set to do action without cuts is infinitely more exciting. So with the Bond action and all the action of Bond, it'll be interesting to see how he does that where he doesn't do a bunch of cuts to be able to do this. So after, after I looked at the TV shows, I, I went back and looked at, I watched the movies, Sin Nombre and Beasts of No Nation. Sin Nombre is, it's a foreign language film, so it's all English subtitles for us here in the U.S. Beasts of No Nation, I actually had a hard time sticking with it. I loved Sin Nombre. I thought it was great. But Beasts of No Nation, it was beautifully filmed, but the story, it didn't really captivate me. And I actually quite often find my mind drifting elsewhere. And it's also interesting to me that both of these movies have a young person that has to commit his first murder. Uh, Sin Nombre, part of it's about a gang. Beast of No Nations about some revolutionaries. So both movies had intense scenes and had some good action fighting. And when those things were on, they were really well done. Right. So if Carrie's directing that and he's directing Bond, which is going to be having, you know, there's fights and stuff in Bond, I think that's going to be so You'll think he'll be fine with the action scenes. I think the action yeah. scenes will be good. Well, and all, especially, all the clips we've seen so far would... 
confirmed. And especially okay. if he does them with a, without a bunch of cuts, that'll be interesting to see. So I do believe that Kerry does know how to not wait too long to help us understand what's going on. Like I thought he waited too long in the TV yeah. shows. Let's hope he follows his movie history and not his TV history here. And getting back to the discussion about how Bond would treat women, there's another quote of his that may offer some insight when he was discussing True Detective. True Detective, this is the quote. True Detective would not pass the Bechdel test. I think that's how you say it, Bechdel test? I'm not exactly sure. It's somebody's yeah. last name who I don't All know. Right. But that's actually an interesting point because if you look at his work, his prior work, he didn't have a lot of interaction with women. And this test, the Bechdel test, is really a test for how a movie has active presence of female characters and how well-rounded and complete their roles are. So the tests are actually pretty simple. One, it has to have at least two women in it. Uh-huh. They have to talk to each other about something other than a man. <laughs> yeah, there you right? go. So, And just from the trailers, we know that No Time to Die is going to actually pass this test. Oh, I, I don't think there'll be any issues with women in No Time to Die in terms of having major roles, speaking roles, and not talking about men. Yeah. Now, it'd be interesting <laughs> to go back to some other older James Bond movies to find out if they'd pass it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's interesting when they're talking about trying to bring in, modernize how the, the approach to women is in this movie, passing this test is actually an important piece of doing that. And something that Kerry doesn't hasn't always done in his earlier works. So Dan, you know that I've I've got a data background, right? Database yeah, background. Database, right? So yeah. it's all to me. It's all everything's all about data, and I'm going to be intrigued to see how they use analytics for how they design some of the scenes and the work they did in No Time to Die. Kerry talks about in a uh, August 27th, 2018, Gentleman's Quarterly article. He talks about the way analytics were being used in movies, and especially around the, the TV show Maniac. Yeah, he just talks about how they used it in, in Maniac and made changes to the TV show based on the audience reaction stuff they got. So I'm going to just be intrigued to see how they tie that in. If you're going to be able to watch and say, oh, that was audience tested or whatever, to see if there's some analytics that come into play shaping how the, how the actual movie comes through. Now, uh, another thing that he talks about is he says, I think the semantics of miniseries for a network is that it has an end. So he did Maniac. He did True Detective. Uh Both of those series had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Now, does he consider Bond a miniseries? Especially when we look at the Daniel Craig Bond, because you've got this this arc that kind of goes through four of the five movies. They went out of their way to do that. Yeah. So does it mean that Bond has to have an end? Is that what he's telling us? Well, a mini series by definition demands an end because it's a mini series period. It's going to have an end. Series equals beginning and end. Not necessarily so for Bond. I this could it's gone on for some nineteen sixty two to now and the question is, do they want it to end? Do they want Bond to end and continue on with another 007 character that may be a female or what? We don't know. That's what we have like 18 podcasts on. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> we don't know what the hell's going to happen. But I don't think they're going to want it to end. So I don't think he's got anything to worry about there. Okay. <laughs> So a couple other quotes from him. He said, 
I'm not a very sentimental person, so you're not going to find schmaltzy scenes in my movies. All right, so that's it for Roger Moore yeah. uh, quips. And <laughs> no, stuff, Roger right? Moore stuff. That's out. Yeah, bring in Phoebe Waller-Bridge, and we'll yeah. get that kind of humor, which is right. not schmaltzy stuff, right? right? And then he also says, it's rare that you can promote a love story and feel fear in a film. I don't know. I think which, a lot of Bond films do that. You know, He's got these love interests, at least. Not maybe love stories, but there's always fear. Well, and to me, the the line is kind of interesting when you put it in Bond context. Is it? He says it's rare that you can promote. Is that you don't get a script that can promote a love story with the fear, or I don't know how to direct a love story where there's fear. Yeah. And in No Time to Die, at least there was kind of a love story with Madeline. We don't know that it's still there, but. Um, yeah, the word the, is promote. I, that's the funny part in that quote. It's like rare that you can promote a love story yeah. and feel fear in a film uh, but uh, I and, think you can and if we go back to Phoebe's line panic panic hope yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a lot a lot of films do that so I, I, I think he's wrong on that <laughs> well I'm just yeah, let's just hope it's that he just doesn't know how to direct it if it's there yeah but he always wanted to go to England though right Tom <laughs> no <laughs> my favorite line I've certainly never been dying to go to England my entire life. <laughs> okay, Carrie. <laughs> uh, so. Where is Pinewood? Let's see. Uh. <laughs> yeah. So Ian Productions has put together an interesting creative team mix for No Time to Die. You've got Neil Purvis and Robert Wade back as writers for this one. They gave us Tomorrow Never Dies, Die Another Day, Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, and Spectre. Adding Phoebe and Carrie to this mix should change the tone of this last movie a bit, but should make for an exciting way for Daniel to go out as Bond. It was reported in October 2019 that three different endings were filmed and that the actors were in the dark as to which will be used. Boy, I'd love it if they actually would release it like they did the movie Clue, where you could actually see the different endings. Yeah. It might have happened this way. Or it could have happened this way. That was kind of fun in that movie. That was kind of fun in that movie. And if this, they say it's no time to die, this is the last Daniel. If Bond dies, you've got to let me see all three endings. Yeah. I don't think they will. <laughs> we think Fukunaga and Waller Bridge will blend effortlessly because Waller Bridge has shown her dramatic, serious abilities. And Fukunaga, through serious and non schmaltzy work, will fuse Waller Bridge contributions into something good and meaningful. No Time to Die might stir us up, but just might be a perfectly shaken martini. Let's drink up to April 2020. Uh, oh, no, November 2020. So this has been Tom Pizzotto and Dan Silvestri from SpyMovieNavigator.com. Join us for each episode as we're cracking the code of spy movies together with you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, too. And don't forget, go to spymovienavigator.com, press the big red button, and you can leave us a message and let us know your thoughts. Thank you.